Have you ever tried to pull yourself up on a rope? Or have you ever tried to climb a rock wall or something like that? Is, is that hard? See, I think that, and I was thinking about this, I thought that, oh man, we were talking about elevation, and so you equated your elevation with the kind that comes with the elevator, and you didn't know that you were going to have to pull yourself up. And, and, and have you ever had to do a chin-up? <laughs> How many of y'all? Have, have you ever had to do a push-up? Okay. Um, you know, sisters, y'all get to put the, the knees on the ground, and that ain't even easy. You do about five or ten push-ups. I don't care who you are, you're going to feel it. I want you to see up as that kind of work, not the elevator. Like, you're not going to get in life and push the button and life takes you where you want to go. You're going to have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You're going to have to do chin-ups, push-ups. It's going to be difficult. And in order to do that, you got to have what? Everybody say strength. Right? So what I wanted to do is I want to introduce you to some people uh, who I've known uh, from some from the beginning of their journey, some right in the middle, um, and some when they've already achieved success. But I want to introduce you to some people because I think that sometimes you think success some people think success is, is, is something that can only be reached by a certain person. And I wanted, to, I wanted to humanize this and let you know that success can be reached by anybody who will do the work. Are y'all with me so far? That it can be reached by anybody who does the work. Just touch the neighbor beside you and say, just do the work. Just do the work. I want to introduce you to somebody who has been with me uh, as a pastor since I started. And uh, this young man, before we had lights, before we had a sound system, before we had chairs, before we had a vestibule, before we had a parking lot, when we were in a warehouse in a TV station with no air conditioning and one bathroom for 200 people to use one toilet. He was tracking stuff from trailer to church, using his own pickup truck to do it. He was getting flat tires straining out engines on this truck. The only thing I could do at that time was to get him another tire or get it rotated or flipped inside out. He has done just an innumerable amount of work for this church, and he owns a company called We're the Best Home Services uh, and specializes in residential and commercial um, uh, properties. Uh, and he's been in business since 2009, uh, and he services here in the Houston market. I want you to put your hands together and praise God for one of the men who helped start this church, the reason why we are where we are today, Mr. Tony Randall. Come on and put your hands together for him. Come on, keep clapping until he gets up. He, he's never gotten this applause. I want you to give it to him until he gets all the way up here. He deserves more than that. This next person, she uh, owns her own boutique. It's called Lexington, and it's a super chic fashion uh, for women's boutique. Uh, You always tell who related to the people, ain't it? I don't know where I was, but it is her belief that when you look good, you do good. Uh, with this belief in mind, the in-store focuses uh, on, on providing wide selections of women's designer apparel. Um, she started the business in 2016 in the Galleria area in her first year. Somebody say first year. In her first year, she did $450,000. The best thing about it 
is that what she did in a whole year, she's already done in a quarter, and she's projected to do $1 million in the year 2018. I want you all to welcome Taryn Matlock as she comes to the stage. Come on, this is, this is his sister, and... Uh, <laughs> So crazy. Hey, man, get down. He was already up here today. <laughs> y'all pray for the all congregational care pastor. It looked like he needed care. EH Transport. Yeah, I knew it was something coming. EH Transport, established 2007, is a logistics company specializing in the transportation of liquid hazmat commodities. In order to better understand the process and nature of industry, the owner, Mr. Edis J. Hobson, drove the EH Transport Incorporated Services most uh, of his customer base while utilizing his business background and utilizing what it took to please clients consistently with an overall clear view of, of operations and standpoint. He's done stuff for Sunco. He's done stuff for Martin Products. He's done stuff for a multiplicity of companies, U.S. federal government and local and regional municipalities. Uh, last year did $7.6 million in revenue and is targeted in 2018 to do nine to 10 million in revenue. I want you to praise God for Mr. Edis Hobson as he comes to the stage. All that noise y'all heard back there, that was his wife and daughter, all that screaming. His wife is also an entrepreneur. She owns her own tax company and uh, is doing a great job, so they have a very entrepreneurial family. <laughs> Mr. McKenzie is the owner and operator of J.F. Price General Contracting Company. Uh, he has, wow, listen to this, guys, operating primarily in the greater Houston and San Antonio. His company provides uh, with its core values of quality and integrity, has a diverse management team focused on providing clients with low-stress construction alternatives in both commercial and residential markets. The company was founded in 2012 as a small business venture to buy and sell homes, and has done since then. Uh, last year, did $2.5 million in revenue. I want you to put your hands together for Mr. McKenzie Price. Come on and clap. Come on and clap. Come on, let's give it up for our panel. I wanted to have them up here. How many of you all have ever sat next to or in the same section as any one of these individuals up here today? Just raise your hand. So, because you wouldn't have even known you were sitting next to somebody who had done seven to $10 million in revenue. And I have them up here because I want you to see that all of the success ain't up front. that all of the success is not on the stage, that all of the success is not people you know, that you have people sitting in this congregation sitting right next to you, that if you would open up your mouth and not be antisocial and get to know the people who are around you, you could have gotten a question answered because you're sitting next to movers. And, and listen, I know a lot of, more of you than you know of each other. I'm looking at some of y'all right now and I'm saying they don't even know who they sit next to. So if I were you, before you leave here today, if you're sitting next to somebody you know, 
don't sit by them anymore. That's a waste of your time. And also, if you're sitting next to somebody you do not know, I implore you to ask them, who are you and what do you do? Get to know them because God might be having you sit next to the person who has the solution to your current problem. Can you say amen for that? I want to start off with Tony um, because he, uh, Tony, you have, uh, man, first of all, on behalf of myself and every member of this church, we owe you a tremendous debt of gratitude. A tremendous debt of gratitude. Tremendous debt of gratitude. I tell what y'all don't know, Tony used to be the sound man. And back when he was a sound man, our sound wasn't good. And I used to stop in the middle of the sermon and say, Tony, what are you doing? He took more beatings than anybody in the history of the church. And I told him he is my Elisha. And I'm determined that he gets the double portion because he has crossed over through every change and stage of this church. This young man has stayed faithful and steadfast and unmovable. I want you to tell them in the best way you can, and, and I know you do construction, you don't do public speaking, but I want you to tell them in the best way you can, what has faithfulness done for you? Well, it got me here. Um, you know, um, it's been a long journey, but you know, I prayed to God when I left Florida. You know, that if He get me here, that you know, that I was going to give everything to, unto Him. And ever since I've been here, and that's all I've ever done. I'm not doing this for pastor. I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing this for everybody out there. Whenever you guys come here to this church, um, I want to make sure that the lights are working. When, when, when I was doing the sound, I wanted to make sure that when my pastor picked up that microphone, that that microphone worked. Um, and that's, that's what my heart is. My heart is at this church. And my heart is with you guys, 100%. See, that deserves a, a standing ovation. I mean, yes, he actually meant what he said. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you, if when we started this church, if I had had 10 of him, ain't no telling where we would have been. Tony Randall started a business off of that faithfulness and has done a host of things from that faithfulness. And I wanted to bring him up here to tell you that sometimes your faithfulness is more important than your skill. He sharpened his skill as he went. He got better, better as he went. He, he, he sharpened the tools as he went. But the reason why his opportunities kept coming is because he was faithful. And let me tell you, there is not a job in this church that he has not done. There is not, there is not anything that this church ever needed that he did not do. There was never a thing at my house. And, and, and there are other people in here will tell you, Tony came by their house and helped out too. Faithfulness will sometimes do for you what your skill set cannot. Okay? And so I wanted to bring him up here because he was like, you know, Rev, I don't, I don't do all of that. I just said, just come up here and sit with me because people need to know the value and the validity of faithfulness and that we talk about faithfulness as an idea, 
but he embodies it. And, and here's his answer. What has faithfulness done for you? It got me here. Isn't that amazing? Um, let, let me ask you a question, Taryn, and, and you're a female up here, and she, she representing all the ladies. All the ladies say... I, I remember when you started your business and all of those contractors were on you about building out and and you had to do the HVAC, and you had to put the floor down, and you had to build the dressing rooms in the back. And I remember you even had food set up for us. I remember being so broke when we opened our first business, we didn't even have no hors d'oeuvres for the people who showed up. <laughs> Somebody helps you because you fed us good at your grand opening. But tell us about what you learned as it relates to business about the power of negotiating. I might need to get Tony back there and make the mic work. <laughs> so when we first opened the store, uh, I knew nothing about construction, nothing about um, negotiating, just because that was not anything I'd ever done. Even in my corporate job, we'd never done any uh, construction or anything. That just I came from a world of IT. Um, so at the time that we built out the store, um, they, I guess they assumed that I didn't know either. So a lot of money I lost at initial build-out. So the total build-out for the store was at $365,000. Um, if I had negotiated correctly, it would have cost me $200,000. Wow. So I lost a lot of money. And um, just because I didn't know how to negotiate, I know that now, but uh, a lot of money I lost because I didn't understand the power of negotiating and the power of when I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I didn't understand that concept, but now I do. And a really good example of that was uh, the floors in the store. It was really important to me that we had tile floors that looked like hardwood, because hardwood scratches, ladies in heels scratches the floor, but I wanted the, the floor to look like uh, hardwood. Well, that hardwood looking floor is really expensive. They say, okay, so we're gonna have to put a secondary anchor under the floor that secondary anchor is going to cost you $7,000 on top of the floors that cost $28,000 for 1,300 square feet. So it's not enough room there to change your mind. <laughs> but like it cost $2,800 just for the tile. If I had negotiated that, um, then that price would have the t entire floor, now I know, would have only cost me seventeen. dollars thousand for the anchor and the floor so I had to learn that the power of negotiating and now the floor is cracking up so now we have to redo the floor <laughs> so we now I know how to negotiate negotiate for the second time so right. so that's something for all of y'all who are in this year of elevation the power of negotiation um, you have to understand that it is your fiduciary responsibility to your entity to your business to make sure that you don't let any one person tell you that's how much it cost. That uh, Mike Murdoch, who is a multimillionaire, says that anything that costs over $200, he gets four bids. I, I'm gonna say that again, because y'all not listening. Mike Murdoch, who is a multimillionaire, if he spends $200 or more, he gets four bids. Which means that $200 shirt that we got, 
If you go in a store that does not negotiate, you should not spend. Everything that Saks has, they got it from somebody else. Everything that Neiman Marcus has, they bought it from somebody else. Uh, Taryn and I were talking about this in our, in our uh, uh, cafeteria back there. The floor for the cafeteria was $40,000 worth of tile. $40,000 worth of tile. That's not labor. That's just tile. Not grout. That's just tile. What we did was we found a tile that was similar to the one that we picked. We found out that one of our members worked at Home Depot. Somebody say relationships. relationships. Went to the member. The member said somebody bought a floor. They didn't want it, so they returned it. Would you be willing to give up your ideal floor for a floor that doesn't necessarily match what you had in mind? And instead of paying $40,000 for the floor, I paid 75 cents a square foot and spent $2,000 on the floor because we negotiated and we were patient. And I just want to say to all of you all, stop letting people say these grand ideas and grand dreams of what they can do. And, and when we were putting destiny together, they said, oh, we need flowers over there. I said, why we need flowers over there? Ain't nobody going to be looking over there for long. So, so you have to negotiate and you have to, you have to do all of that. So I, one of the powers of what you're going to do in business in this next season is make sure that you negotiate. Listen, taught sense is better than bought sense. In other words, what I'm saying, she bought an education, but it didn't teach her. Some of y'all got degrees. That's bought sense. But the, the, the lessons that you learn in life is from the taught sense. Okay? So make sure everybody say, make sure you're negotiating. Um, Edis, man, you are doing phenomenal. I, I remember you went, like, with real estate and all that kind of stuff, you went, you and your wife skyrocketed to the top, then the, the, the economy, 2008 come, and you go as low, uh, not as low as Thomas to nothing, but <laughs> you go as low as a man can go. No and like here you are, 10 years later, like nothing ever happened. Can you tell the people out here about um, how to handle setbacks and how to recover from them? The most important part, I think, is you have to definitely learn from it. Uh, when we went through the 08 setback, I mean, I went to, well, we, excuse me, went to the point of, you know, the water getting cut off, lights getting cut off, got to go move in with your mama, you know, type of uh, uh, atmosphere. And so what I did was I wrote everything down that I learned from that year. I, you know, I don't know what came over me. I said, I'm going to just write it all down and I'm going to tuck it away. And I called it my life learning lessons. Mm. And so when I come up into 2008, what happens, the market goes down. I allow the market to take me down with it. So what did I have to learn from that? When I start my next venture, I have to be better prepared, not to necessarily beat the market, but know how to ride the wave of the market. So I get into the trucking industry. We get into crude oil. So all of you, you know, this is Houston, Texas. Most of you guys know we had the downturn in the crude market in 2015. I begin to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. And the first thing I had to tell myself was, 
We've been here before. I know what, I know how to set back, strap up, and ride this wave again. And I'm gonna go back to faith because I kept tithing. My wife was, <laughs> kept tithing. And because I just believed and knew that if I restructure, revamp my plan, I think I even brought you the, uh, the portfolio uh, just, to, just to get your idea on it. And, and I rebranded, remarketed, we retooled, we changed up our ways. Uh, I mean, we added more services to our bottom line. And in 2015, we did 7.2. In 2016, we did 4.6. The very next year, through all that hard work, change and willingness and striving and striving and that faith, we go back up to 7.6. So, you know, and on target. So uh, never stop, you know, giving everything that you got, believing that if you're doing right, you're doing right by your people, you're doing right by your customers, you're doing right by your family, you're doing right by those that love you, uh, you're doing right by God, that you're gonna continue to thrive and make it through and ride that wave right on into the future. So. And, and I love the fact that here is a businessman, you know, the Bible says that it is hard, it is harder for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, when you hear uh, the Bible talk about the eye of the needle, it is not necessarily talking about uh, like a needle point and a camel getting in it. Actually, on the line of the Jerusalem gate, there was an entryway called the eye of the needle. And the eye of the needle was where the camels and the horses and the animals would pass through to get into the gate. But it was so small that the camel could not get through the eye of the needle without getting down on its knees, humbling itself, and then stripping itself of everything it brought to the eye of the needle. See, sometimes God bows you down and strips you down so that you can get in. Because there are some spaces that are big enough for you to survive. They're big enough for you to survive once you get in. But the problem is, is that the portal from one uh, 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 matrix to the next is so small. The window of opportunity is so small that you have to be stripped of everything you had. They got you to the gate, bow down, strip down, and then go through and see won't God open up the windows of heaven and then on the other side of your failure, your problems pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. And so for every person who is where he was, when the downturn happened in the market, for every person whose job has decreased your hourly wage, for every person who's robbing Peter to pay Paul, for every person who's up against a tax issue right now, for every person who's struggling, understand that if you stay faithful in a down moment, God will make your down up. Yes, he will. I know he will. And that's what I was preaching to you all on Sunday. The church at Macedonia was going through a recession when they had given to Paul. And then God says, Paul says, through God, I'll supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory. Be not weary in well-doing. For you will reap a harvest if you faint not. I was just standing there and I'm going to ask Mackenzie a question. And the Lord will lay it, I, I'm telling you, the Lord will lay something on somebody's heart to bless you. I was just sitting there on the front row. The Lord told me, go in your pocket and give your two sisters 50% of everything that's in your pocket. I just turned around to my sisters, and you know why I did it? Because I always bless other people. Ain't nothing wrong with blessing your family sometimes. Amen, church. 
So I just turned around, I looked him up, find out what I had, split it to, shook their hand, and they looking at me like, wow. Well, I don't know, I don't know what they needed, but I guarantee you that they needed it. Otherwise, God wouldn't have told me to do it. And when, the way they received it let me know that it was going towards something that they've been praying about. I'm telling you right now, if you would just wait on God, if you just wait on God, God will send somebody to shake your hand, to send it in the mail, to call you on the phone, to do something, to get a blessing from their hand to your hand. And you've got to be thou faithful over a few things. If they had not have been faithful over what they have already had, then God would have told me to give what I got through faith to unfaithful people. Did you hear what I just said? God wouldn't have told me to give what I got through faith to unfaithful people. Faith without works is dead. I keep telling you, it's not about what degree you have on the wall. It is about your faith. And if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, he will give you the power to speak to that mountain and recluse that mountain. And have, I know I'm right about this. In this year of elevation, don't just ask God to elevate your bank account. Elevate your faith. Faith got him from 4-2 to 7-6. Not the market. The market was against him. What he didn't tell you, and, and I'll tell it for him, he came out on his yard. He got 40 trucks. Came out there. The jokers had took all the batteries out the truck. Because you know you can't have none without him trying to take it. So when he goes up to start up the trucks to get the crude oil where it needs to go, ain't no batteries in the truck. And here's the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is, somebody say faith. faith. Because he has faith, when they steal the batteries, they take all the batteries out, they sit them in the middle of the yard, and just when they were bagging up the truck to take them, that's when they showed up. So they took the batteries out, but didn't get a chance to take the batteries, because... Faith will protect your stuff when you at home sleep. And we ran that crude oil that same night. Say it again. I said we ran that same day. And they ran on the same day. Faith will rebuke the devourer. He's at home sleep. The Lord wouldn't even let the devil take his batteries because he had tithed and he rebuked that devil. No weapon formed. Not say they wouldn't form, but they will not prosper. Huh? Somebody broke into the church not too long ago. Who breaks into a church? Broke into a church, and guess what? They, they couldn't find nothing, because we smart enough not to leave nothing. Because I say to anybody, somebody say, you should have said that. I'll tell you right now, you break in here, you ain't getting nothing, because we ain't got nothing. Before he can get something, he runs out of the door. He breaks the door to get out, because he can't even get out without breaking out. And the Lord made sure that the only cost we had was to fix the window. So I'm telling you, I, I love his story because he's done a lot by Faith McKenzie. He has been in the entrepreneurial world and in the business world. And uh, I want him to tell you because the question some of us have for somebody who's been on both sides, like how do you deal with a difficult boss? That's a tough question, but y'all probably know the answer. Um, so I actually started uh, for Schlumberger as a reservoir engineer, so I was used to working in corporate America. Um, 
it just so happens my last position was off the west coast of Africa. Uh, over there, you don't deal with a lot of Americans, okay? The people that are in higher management usually are expats from different countries. So it's a big mix of just different personalities. Uh, in my case, my N plus two, which was my manager's manager, was a, a French and Arabic guy. So he didn't want nothing to do with Americans. Um, I remember going out on a job, and it was one of the, that, that's kind of when the Lord spoke to me and said, look, we got to get away from this. And I went on a job, and everything went chaotic, and it was offshore, and it's big money going down the drain. And uh, the first thing they tried to do was fire me, of course. So uh, luckily, my manager had kind of stepped in the way, and one of the clients that I was uh, affiliated with had stepped in the way and said, listen, you fire McKenzie, we terminate in our contract. So amazing how God will work in your life through something else. Um, so I remember looking up at the flare because I got called back out to a job about a couple months later, same company. Everybody hated me on the rig. And uh, it was like I was looking at that flare and God said, like, this is going to be our last chance. You know what I mean? We're going to handle this and we're going to get out of here. And uh, sure enough, he opened up an opportunity for us in uh, Houston to start a business. Uh, so I was able to not only get out of the oil field, but to have an opportunity to, to better grow myself. Um, to get back to the question, one thing, prayer does so much, okay? When you're dealing with people that don't have any affiliation with God, then you can't really educate them. In instead, what you really need to do and it's just so weird that these people talk about humbling themselves. You have to humble yourself in the eyes of an enemy and, and be able to talk to that person, to be able to educate that person and not just sit there and kind of just take that turmoil. Um, so anyhow, uh, I got a different business story. Uh, I actually came like from the bottom to the top. I went from top to bottom like my man here. So anyway, we started the business. This was a blessing by God. We end up doing, in our first three quarters, because we started after Q1, in year one, we actually did over $2 million. That's when I was arrogant enough to believe that I had all the answers. It, it's really funny how God has structured our company because year two, we did okay, and year three, everything started to tank. Um, we were losing clients, we were losing personnel, we were losing everything. And the only reason we were losing it is because I wasn't living right. <laughs> so sometimes you think God is against you, but if you could just shape your own life the right way, then he'll be for you, you know what I mean? So that was one thing that really just kind of really gave me a devotional and a new look on how powerful God is and the faith that can bring you through things. But I want to kind of leave it on this level is that uh, had I not went through the turmoil, I would have never understood what it took to run a real business. So it was like he educated me while I was at the bottom. And now in this year of elevation, I'm, I'm really believing that it, it is our year. You know what I mean? And it's, it's all of our year to elevate as long as you believe. Tony, uh, nobody stays as consistent as you. 
And you, you're just, you're, you're a quintessential uh, idea of, of uh, consistency. How do you stay encouraged? I'm, I know life is tough. I, I know things get hard. I know sometimes it, whether it's money or marriage or ministry or whatever it is, I know, but how do you, how do you stay encouraged? I just, I just close my eyes and I thank God for break, waking me up in the morning. Um, just thank him for waking me up in the morning and um, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just been in me all my life. That's just how, I, that's just who I am. That's just the fabric of me. You know, I, 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 it's hard to explain the, the, the person that I am, but you know, it's, 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 it's just who I am. It's, it's, it's just the fabric of Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounds like a clothing line, the fabric of Tony. Taryn, you would ask the same question. How do you stay encouraged? Um, well, I have a really awesome family and a really great um, backbone. My brother is awesome. We know. <laughs> we know, man. <laughs> Sit down. We know. <laughs> and I have a great mother, so I'm able to stay encouraged because the fact of the matter is in business, it's really tough. So some days we don't make any money. So some days I lose money. Like I pay employees, but I haven't made anything. Um, or when I have to pay bookkeepers to tell me how to spend money, but I didn't have money to pay them. <laughs> and then when I have to pay attorneys or when I have to pay rent, a rent on a space that didn't make me any money today. <laughs> so I have to um, lean on my family. And then I have a, a very heavy prayer life. Uh, just because before opening the store, my mom always says uh, that God has his way to lead you back to him. And I think through Lexington, it has led me back to God um, in a different kind of way because I depend on him a lot more than I used to. Before I had my corporate job, I knew that on the 15th and the 30th, I'm going to make a lot of money. So I'm going to ball out on the 15th and the 30th. And then, you know, we just going to make it do what it do until the 30th come or the 15th. <laughs> But now I have to like pray to God a lot and I have to keep, um, I have to study a lot because uh, I, it's very scary being in business and it's not for the faint at heart because you have to. Tony said I stand corrected. My wife is, is the, the one that, that's, that, that's, that helps me out. She, she's my backbone, she, she's my rock. She, she does every. She, she's the one that encourages me. Tanya Randall. That's 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 who it is. This is all the that's time. Tanya's husband. For all of y'all know Tanya. Yeah, boy, you gonna be Save all right. Save on that one. <laughs> I cannot forget her. She she has helped me through this and helped me grow. And I give her the world. If I can, man, if I can give her whatever, I, I'm 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 gonna give it to her. I'm I'm striving to give her whatever she wants. <laughs> Whatever she wants, I'm striving to get it. Hallelujah. She, she, she loves me and I love her too. Wow. Edis, how do you stay encouraged? S same. Uh, my wife, you know, that's my rock. Uh, when that water went off, she the one that said, let's go to Home Depot, get that wrench. And I'll show you how to cut it back off. <laughs> So, yeah. that's my rock. <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. 
So you, it don't get no realer than that. But, uh, you know, obviously, uh, staying grounded in the church. Uh, After we steal the water, we're going to pray and <laughs> fast. <laughs> hey, man, we got to take a bath. We got to take a bath. Baby need a bath. Baby need a bath. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, again, uh, my rock, uh, Faith, my family. My family's been there. Uh, her mom is here. Well, not here, but her mom has been there to help us, support us through our relationship. I tell my wife all the time that every family or every relationship goes through their own certain thing. You know, our thing has always been, unfortunately, because I'm the entrepreneur, it's been financial. Uh, and so we've had those swings. We've had those cycles up and down. And there was times when I would give, give, and give. And sometimes people question, why am I giving so much? And I would say, the only reason why I'm able to do what I'm able to do to give back is because I have given. And so, uh, you know, that, that has kept me grounded and just, just being true to who I am, you know, trying to be the person that does everything that he says he's gonna do, uh, be real in my spirit, be real in my heart. And, uh, and, and want to see other people succeed that are around me, and, and, and that's how. I want to ask all of you all, and I'll start with Mackenzie, we'll come back. How did you guys learn to embrace failure? Have, have, have any of you guys failed? Anybody ever failed at anything out there? Okay. So how do you embrace failure? It's like, are you the guys that say, oh, there's no such thing as failure. It's only the opportunity to begin again with increased intelligence. Are, 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 do we fail? Yeah, I mean, for me, I've, I've probably failed on a number of different levels, but uh, you always have to encourage yourself that uh, there is a lesson in failure. And if you can just embrace it and know, the Bible's already told you the battle's won. So if you can embrace it and learn from it, then you're going to be 10 times as powerful when you get out of it than you would have been going into it. So that's how I kind of control embracing failure. Just remember, there's a lesson in it. That's all it's about. Uh, know that it's going to happen. Uh, you know, when I went into the transportation market, I had no idea of what that market would bring. So there was a lot of learning there and the anticipation, not over leveraging yourself, uh, being, being, you know, trying to be prepared always being open to seminars like this and, and, and listening to what people, even if they're drivers, even if you don't think they're people that may have as at the, the entrepreneur spirit because they understand the operational knowledge, that right there in itself can help, um, you know, set you up and, and put you in a better position. So just, just that, you know, alone. embrace it. I, I understand that, especially in retail and in the fashion world, um, you're going to get that a lot. A really good example of that was uh, our first season in the store. I get really excited whenever there's like a new season because there's new clothes. You go to the shop. I mean, it's like a fantasy. It's like a world of its own. Uh, it's, a, it's a situation. <laughs> so um, I get really excited and I didn't understand when I first opened the store that I was buying for customers that did not look like me. So my customer base does not look like me. Um, I don't really see me when I'm at work. So I was buying for a customer base that was not like me. They didn't have a body type like mine. So my buying was horrible. 
the first see the first uh, season that we opened. Uh, but thanks to our bomb first lady and your money, <laughs> we made a lot of money in the store the first season. But I had to understand that even in that, that was a failure for me, and so I had to really step back and understand who my customer was, buy for them and not for me. And so that kind of propelled me forward just because now I'm buying stuff in the store that I wouldn't necessarily wear, but it sells in a day. Mm. But I had to understand who my customer was. I had to understand people. So I, I think that's a, that's a pause. I, I think that we just need to just stop right there and just kind of dig in right there. I have heard so many people say, uh, I was talking to a young man today uh, in, in a meeting and he said, um, you know, I'm, I was thinking about opening up a haberdashery. And then I said, you know, that's amazing because people don't even use that word anymore. You know, it's like a little gentleman place and you, you can dress nice and everybody dresses up and all that kind of stuff. And, and I said, but you know, um, what you really need to do is not just have the haberdashery, get a nice piano in there, let them play classical music. He said he was going to put a bar in it. I said, and you might want to think about a cigar bar because the cigar would be about 13 cents worth of material that you can upsell sometimes at 50 60 dollars a pop and he said I don't smoke cigars I said so what and he said well I don't want to mess with my help I said well then build a separate room and let them mess up their health we're talking business right now because the worst thing you could ever do is think your customer is you. Your customer is not you. If, 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 if my friend Francine over here, if she decided she wanted to open a restaurant and she wanted all of you all to be her customers and she made cuisines uh, to her liking, she's of Latino descent. Y'all like greens. Now we do Mexican and Puerto Rican food every once in a while, but our go-to, come on church, we want some beans and some cornbread and, 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 and some chicken and got to have some hot sauce, Lord Jesus. So to put her culture in this context would be a waste of service because you don't service you when you open a business, you service the market. So what she's saying is, is don't go buy a whole bunch of dresses that you would wear when your demographic doesn't dress like you. It's the same thing with whatever business you're in, okay? If you're going to do hair and go to the Galleria, you can't learn finger waves. <laughs> talking about, girl, I'm going to get these bumper curls and it's going to be fire. And you're going to be sitting up there behind your chair talking about the devil after me and the devil after my business. No, baby, you servicing a client that ain't there. You're going to be talking about, they don't give me opportunity, they don't put my name on the schedule because ain't nobody calling and asking for your services. So you, have to, <laughs> you have to service the clientele. I think that she just gave you at least a $100,000 business tip. I think she did. Um, that you have to service your clientele. We do it every Sunday morning. If you all notice, and I watch y'all, sometimes when we sing CCM music, some of y'all just be like.
I watch y'all. We, but we got it on, Amari will tell you, we got it mixed. We just know just about how much gospel to give y'all and how much CCM, because you'll tolerate their music for a little while. You just be, and then, and then after we finish that, we say, let the church see. Then that's perfect. <laughs> and you just fall all out. And, and, and we break all that ice and then we get you back and then we had church. I was telling, where's Jazz at? Jazz might not be here. I was telling Jazz, Jazz was sitting there when we sing that song, Abba, love that song. We were singing Abba, Jazz was like. And then we were singing, what's that? Uh, let me hear you say, yeah, whatever song we were singing. I said, now get up because is you worshiping the song or you worshiping God? Get on up and clap now. But every Sunday morning, if you notice, we are servicing our clientele. That there used to be a time I used to hoop every Sunday. And some of them, they, they tell me, now Rev, come on now, sing a change gonna come once this year, or, or come on now, you got to hoop once in a while, Rev. But I gotta let them know that we now have a clientele don't, don't need me to hoop and holler and scream and sweat and slob every Sunday. And all I'm asking you to do as customers is, when I'm giving it like you like it, be cool when I got to give everybody else how they like it. And we're doing it every week. There are people who come to this church, they wouldn't care if I hooped ever again. It wouldn't mean nothing to them if I never put it in the key of E flat ever again. And there's some of them like, but Rev, every once in a while, you got to tune up and give me a little bit, Rev. Come on now. Look, just say, come on, Rev, give it, serve the people. So if you're going to open up business, remember, you don't open up a business that you will go to. You open up a business according to the clientele. Okay? That even goes for parenting. Y'all missing this. I'm trying to show you how to take every lesson and apply it to every area of your life. Your children are clients. And some of you all are parenting your clients in a way that will not reach your end user. You can beat them as much as you want and they're not going to listen. That beating is for another client. Some of you got to sit down and have an intelligent conversation with them and let them know you made mistakes and that you understand why they want to be in the bedroom with their boyfriend because you did too. No, you, you're not hearing me. And, and I know this because I got three of them. They all different. Every one of them different. And the moment you start treating all of them the same, you gain one and you lose the other and then you frustrate another one. You got to understand that even in your house, you got clients. Your wife is a client. Your husband is a client. You can't treat your wife the way I treat my wife. You can't build your house the way I built my house. You sit up here, you listen to the song. friends and colleagues, it's time to take action and subscribe to this podcast. Follow Kian Henderson on social media at Pastor Kian. Visit the website daily for lifestyle, leadership, and learning at kianhenderson.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep doing life.